You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. I know some people are thinking, you know what, I wonder if Costco is open. I still need to get a couple things. And, and you know, other people are thinking, man, I'm sure glad I live in America. And some of the kids are thinking, man, I, I wonder who my parents are going to invite over. And I wonder if that, like, guy or girl that I like is going to DM me today. And, you know, I, other people are thinking, where should I go to see fireworks? I mean, there's a lot we think about. And then other people, on the other hand, some people are thinking not such happy thoughts. And some people are thinking, you know, this is my first 4th of July without their loved one who's passed. And other people are thinking, you know what? I can't believe actually I have cancer. And then there's other people who are saying, you know what? It's kind of a sad day. I hate these kind of days because I really have nobody to spend it with. And then other people are just saying, you know what? It's hard to see people happy and celebrating when I'm hurting so bad inside. And you know, one thing I've noticed, Roger used to tell me this from my vantage point. At any one time, there's people who are doing super well. They're, they're on the mountaintop and other people who are just in the the depths of despair in the valleys. And it's kind of like life. You know, at any one time, people are really doing well, and other people are are having a difficult time. And and so what are we to do? Are are we supposed to look at the people hurting and and just give them a trite platitude and saying, you know, it's going to be okay, brighter days are ahead? Or or do we look at the people who are doing really well and we we try to make them feel guilty? (laughs) Neither. I I don't think we're supposed to do either. But I think what we're supposed to do is we are to worship God and follow David's advice in Psalms 143. Actually, Psalms 145, verse 3. Let me get to that. And that says, Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise. Can you repeat that with me? Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise. This morning, I feel that we are to learn the secret of praising and worshiping God in every situation, the good times and the bad times. You know, Psalms 145 is is a good psalm. And it's the only psalm that's titled, entitled, you know how like on the psalms they have the little titles ahead? It's the only one that says, A Praise of David. And it's a high point of praise from David. And it's the last psalm that's actually attributed to, to David writing it. And they say it's the very last psalm that he wrote in his life. And he wrote it towards the end of his life. And I think we can learn a lesson from David, what he did, and this Psalms 145. And the great lesson is whether you are on top of the world or you are down in the pits right now, God is worthy of our praise. So picture this as David wrote this psalm. It was at the end of his life, after all the highs, after all the lows, And he sat down and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote this psalm as a final trumpet blast of his outlook on life. And David, as as many of you know, was called a man after God's own heart. 
He had a special connection with God, and it was really because of his heart. He loved God fiercely. Not because life was easy or it was full of roses. No, he loved God fiercely through the good and the bad. And boy, did he have a full life. He had the good, he had the bad, and he had the ugly. You know, and as David wrote this final psalm, I wonder if some of those moments in his life crossed his mind. Perhaps as he was writing, he remembered that one day when, this, when the prophet Samuel came and called him out and anointed him to be the future king of Israel. You know, all his brothers, the older, the stronger, the seemingly more successful, they bypassed him, and the prophet spoke to him and said, no, God is going to use you. What a high. Or when David fought and defeated the Philistine giant Goliath against all odds, and he stood over the, the, the giant and cut off his head, and he was instantly a national hero. I mean, talk about another high. Or when he married into the most powerful family in Israel. The king said, here, you did such a great job. You can have my daughter. And then there was the promise that God would establish his throne and his throne would last forever. Imagine that. And then every time he went out to, to war and battle, he led his army and they never lost a battle. He was a feared military leader in his time. And then what about those sweet times when he, he played his instrument and worshiped God and the presence of the Lord would come and then he would get lost in the presence of the Lord and then he would be inspired to write these beautiful psalms that we read today. But as he continued to write those 21 verses in Psalms 145, he must have also remembered the bad times. Like the awful feeling when his father-in-law, the king, turned against him and hunted him like a dog. And they had a bounty on his head and everybody was after to kill David. And he ran and he hid, feared for his very life. Or what about that terrible feeling when he had guilt and remorse when he blew it. You know, he committed adultery with a married woman. And then he had the woman's husband murdered. And to, to top it off, everybody found out about it. God exposed it to the whole kingdom. And we're still reading about it today. Can you imagine the low that must have been? The remorse. You ever committed one of those kind of sins and you're like, oh God, why did I do that? Or the guilt and remorse when his first son with Bathsheba died because of David's sin. One thing is to bear our shame ourselves. Another thing is to see it affect our kids. And just to have a son die is hard enough, but to have a son die because of what you did must be excruciating. Or how about the low when he realized that his daughter was raped? I couldn't imagine. Or when he lost everything and was forced to leave the kingdom just with the shirt on his back. And then, to top it off, he had the betrayal of his own son in his own family, Absalom. And then also he had the death of another son, Absalom. Can you imagine those kind of lows? 
I really don't know anybody who's experienced such highs and such lows in their life. But at the end of David's life, after all the breath of this experience that a lot of us experience to some degree, what did he do? How did he sum it all up? What was his advice? It was in Psalms 145. He writes and then sings this monumental praise song about God despite all the highs and all the lows. And he says in verse 3, he says, Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. No matter what was going on outside, he always knew God is the highest God worthy of our praise. And this is what we need to do in our journey is to worship God no matter what. And there's a lot of people in this room, things are doing really well. And there's a lot of people in this room, things are very difficult. And what do we do? What is God calling us to do? He's calling us to worship him. One of my pastors, um, his name was uh, Lance Pitluck. And he was a pastor of the Anaheim Vineyard, which we went for many years. And uh, he was a great man. He came from a Jewish background, wasn't saved, got miraculously saved, had this deep love for God, followed God's calling and became a pastor. And he did a church plant in New York, which is a very difficult place to plant churches. And, um, and then his, he had a, a son and a daughter. And his young son, he was about four or five, he got a strange illness, very rare disease, and with a matter of days just died. And imagine he was devastated. And he thought he couldn't go on. He could, how, could he be, how could he go on in ministry? How could he go on in life? How could he ever recover? What could he do? And at the memorial service, per vineyard style, they had worship up front. And he had this thought. He says, you know what? I'm still going to worship you, God. So during that worship service... He raised his hand, just one of his hand. He couldn't even mouth the words. He raised his hand and he, and as a symbol of like, though you slay me, God, I will worship you. And he said he felt the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He felt the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was able to take the next step. And then the next step after that. And eventually he was completely healed in that area. So no matter what you, where you're at today, I want to ask you to forget about everything that's been on your mind recently outside these walls, whether good or bad. And let's worship God with abandonment this morning. You know, I wanted to dedicate the rest of the service to just worshiping Jesus. We're going to have a bit of a different service, and I'm going to call the band up here in a little bit, and we're just going to ask, uh, we're just going to ask them to play. And I want to dedicate the rest of the service to our Lord and Savior Jesus, because he's worthy. And I, he needs to have the worship and praise that he deserves and um, so right now, actually, I want to call up the band. Can you guys come on up? We're going to uh, get the band up to, 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 for worship. But before we do this, I want to read this psalm that I've been talking about, Psalm 145. This is the psalm that David wrote at the end of his life after all this experience that he had, good and bad. It's almost the conclusion of the matter. So I'm going to put it on the screen, and please re- uh, just quiet your heart, and let the words of this psalm sink into you. In verse 1, it says, My heart explodes with praise to you, 
Now and forevermore, my heart bows in worship to you, my King and my God. Every day I will lift up my praise to your name with praises that will last throughout eternity. Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise. For there is no end to the discovery of the greatness that surrounds you. Generation after generation will declare more of your greatness and declare more of your glory. Your magnificent splendor and the miracles of your majesty are my constant meditation. Your awe-inspiring acts of power have everyone talking. I'm telling people everywhere about your excellent greatness. Our hearts bubble over as we celebrate the fame of your marvelous beauty, bringing bliss to our hearts. We shout with ecstatic joy over your breakthrough for us. You're kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it and very patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. God, everyone sees your goodness for your tender love is blended into everything you do. Everything you have made will praise you, fulfilling its purpose. And all your godly ones will be found bowing before you. They will tell the world of the lavish splendor of your kingdom and preach about your limitless power. They will demonstrate for all to see your miracles of might and reveal the glorious majesty of your kingdom. You are the Lord who reigns over your never-ending kingdom through all the ages of time and eternity. You are faithful to fulfill every promise you've made. I think God wants to remind someone that, of that this morning. I'm going to read that again. You, God, are faithful to fulfill every promise that he's made to you. You manifest yourself as kindness in all you do. Weak and feeble ones, you will sustain. Those bent over with burdens of shame, you will lift up. When you open your generous hand, actually, I'm sorry, you have captured our attention and the eyes of all look to you. You give what they hunger for at just the right time. When you open your generous hand, it's full of blessings, satisfying the longings of every living thing. You are fair and righteous in everything you do, and your love is wrapped into all your works. 
you draw near to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially when their hearts are true. Every godly one receives even more than what they ask for. For you hear what their hearts really long for, and you bring them your saving strength. God, you watch carefully over all your devoted lovers like a bodyguard, but you will destroy the ungodly. I will praise you, Lord. Let everyone, everyone, everywhere join me in praising the beautiful Lord of holiness from now through eternity. Can we all repeat verse 3? Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise. You know, if this seems a little strange or unfamiliar with worship and singing in church in front of other people, I just want to give you permission to relax, just sit back and enjoy yourself. And, and feel God's touch this morning. I really feel the Lord wants to touch each and every one. And what does that look like when the Lord touches you? Oftentimes, it, He gives you this peace, this rest of your soul. The Bible calls it the peace that passes understanding. Some people cry. Some people just feel peace and feel rest. Some people get the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, God loves you and He wants to draw you in. For, for a lot of you, he's knocking at your door and he says, just worship me. Come to me in abandonment and forget about everything that's going on and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to sustain you like nobody else. He'll fulfill Psalms 145 in your life. So I just want to everybody stand. We're going to just worship right now for the rest of the service. Um, I would invite those of you who want to come come to the front. It's really, there's something about worshiping God in abandonment up front, sort of freeing. And um, so just sing, raise your hands, kneel down. If you just want to be quiet where you're at, feel freedom to, to worship God however you want. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org dot o r g